It's time for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. It's time for the game on ESPN 1400. For the next two hours, we'll get an in-depth look at local sports in the eastern Upper Peninsula and Algoma region and hear from the coaches and players involved in the game. We'll also analyze the college and pro sports scene across the region and dive into the biggest national stories. Now, let's get to the game and join your host, Scott Nason. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at thegamesportshow.com and thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our ESPN 1400 studios in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan on the snowy, windy Monday night, December 14th. The game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, and we have a full lineup Ahead tonight, we'll be with you up until 8 o'clock. Joining us for this first segment and also for the remainder of the show is co-host and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. Butch, uh, welcome to the game. Yes, hello, Scott, and hello, everybody, and hopefully everybody's all bundled up here and uh, did their supply and got it in the house. Okay. We are certainly bundled up, Butch, and our first guest is joining us, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Mark Yule, joining us once again on the game. Mark, thanks for uh, coming back to our show, and welcome. You bet. Good to be with you. Mark, uh, I'm going to ask this first question. Uh, I asked you this a couple months ago, but it's very important to me personally uh, to check in on all our guests to make sure they're doing okay. And of course, you have ties here in the Eastern Upper Peninsula, certainly in your family. How are you and your family holding up? You know, we're, uh, we're, we, we're doing okay. Um, I currently have a, uh, an in-season College athlete, our, our sophomore is a swimmer at Oak College, and their season is on pause. We have a uh, high school senior who's a pretty good three-sport athlete. His football team is uh, still alive in our playoffs, and so he's on pause as well as uh, his high school hockey team. And last but not least, our uh, eighth-grade daughter, a uh, pretty good athlete in her own right, and uh, she's also paused. So. My wife, uh, Marcy, who, uh, you know, Marcy Bell, of course, a native of Sault Ste. Marie, and she's a high school basketball coach uh, down here in the Lansing area, and her season is on pause. But uh, other than uh, all of this athletic limbo we find ourselves in, health is uh, one of the good good things going on right now. Well, that's good to hear, Mark. And uh, Butch and I will be rotating questions here for this segment. I'm going to throw out the first question. Obviously, you said pause a lot during your first answer, and that's where we sit as far as high school sports in the state of Michigan. Uh, they are on pause once again until December 20th. What can you tell us right now at this moment where the MHSA stands as far as proposing a uh, reopening plan, much like you did before this current extension of the pause where does the association sit right now mark so we're kind of in that same uh, mindset obviously when the uh, current emergency order um, expires on the 20th uh, we're going to be hoping to get uh, things started as as soon as possible Um, we still believe that we have a chance to finish our our fall sports the three weeks left of football um, one week left of volleyball and one day left uh, with a uh, girls uh, swimming and diving final meet. But we still think that, uh, you know, if we would get to go ahead to begin practices next Monday, that we could complete those in the next 
uh, three to four weeks. Certainly a, a big part of our focus right now is on winter sports. Um, we would love to be able for those teams to start to practice and then for competition to begin soon after the, uh, the new year. It appears that everything right now in our state is with zero spectators, and that would be where we would start off. Um, that's all the way from the professional, the, the collegiate level, down to the amateur level. So um, that's what we're, uh, our planning is continuing to go. That's really the only thing that uh, I, I think would be responsible for us to do. That's been our strategy the whole time of when um, you know state government leaders have told us that it's okay to play. We have played, um, and then the times where they've uh, either said no or have placed us on pause, um, we've we've followed those orders as, as we we have no choice to do. We're going to follow the law here, and um, you know, as much as uh, folks encouraging us to go out and do our own thing, that that just is not a realistic possibility. So we, like everybody, are watching the news very carefully this week seeing uh, with what uh, both the governor and health and human services director, Robert Gordon are going to do um, when the current order expires uh, on Sunday. Butch Davis, uh, your question for Mark Ewell. Yeah. Well, Mark, how you doing there? I uh, hope you, you're safe and everything. Uh, question I got to ask you is, is how much preparation that you're going to give these young uh, student athletes, uh, assuming that we can get back to work on the 20th of December there? Well, it's a really good question. Um, the one thing that uh, our kids do have going for them is youth. Um, this is, uh, you know, a group of kids that really going back to last March, you want to talk about have, uh, you know, really been um, probably as inactive as any time uh, during their lives. So certainly you've got to find the, the happy medium between giving enough time for kids to make sure that they're physically ready to go um, enough time for some conditioning and, and certainly in our uh, contact sports, uh, you know, those kids, their bodies have to be ready to take um, that kind of activity. But yet on that same token, what we've all often found is uh, it doesn't take young kids very long to get into condition, to get into shape, especially if they have been trying to do some individual workouts on their own. So uh, hopefully upon the restart, we can get kids up and moving as soon as we can. And, uh, you know, with probably a restart of practice and then for our winter sports, probably looking at games starting uh, within the week of the restart. Because for us to try and get in, um, you know, some kind of a game schedule, we have to do that. So that that's our plan as it stands right now, in which that's an excellent question. Mark, you will join us on the game, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And Mark, your representative council is scheduled to meet, uh, I believe, this Wednesday to uh, formulate plans for when sports are allowed to resume activities. Is this going to be similar then to the plan, at least at this point, that the one you put forth uh, before this current extension? Or are you looking at some different things right now? So we're looking at uh, certainly some uh, some unique ways because, of course, the the uh, definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over <laughs> again, but, but uh, expecting different results. Um, there is certainly going to be a part of um, what we're going to propose is simply using the calendar with a restart of practice starting next Monday, and then what those remaining fall tournament dates would look like, as well as what it would look like. Um, for winter to begin and in them where winter tournaments would fall. Certainly when it comes, uh, you know, to a lot of the folks in your listing area, when you get above the bridge and in the upper peninsula, 
weather becomes such a huge challenge. And, and certainly with finishing um, football season, the, the schools in their upper peninsula are, are in a much more challenging spot than many of our downstate schools are. And then the other thing is if winter would get de- delayed, any kind of a uh, extended period, well, then that puts some pressure on spring sports. Would you start those on time? Of course, in the Upper Peninsula, uh, starting spring practices, the uh, you know the middle of March, almost always uh, our UP schools are indoors practicing outdoor sports in the gym for that first month of the season. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts right now. So, but it, it what we've tried to do at every step of the way is to be very transparent to be very upfront um, and saying, well, when the government lets us go, um, here is going to be our schedule, here's going to be our tournament dates, and I really don't see that recipe changing a whole lot. But uh, a lot of other factors right now in play, you know, do schools reopen, um, how, does, how does the holiday break impact those? So, uh, again, as we've had to do going back to last March, you really have to take things on almost a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Butcher, next question for Mark. Mm, speaking of insanity here, I know you've received it, or maybe not here, but I'm going to ask anyway. How many of the parents been calling and nagging your offices there, figuring they have a better plan or are dissatisfied with what's going on there? Butch, I think I've heard from almost every resident in Michigan by this point. Um, and I think in some way, shape, or form, um, we've angered just about every person. I, I obviously that's tongue in cheek. I think first where we have to start out is that uh, the coronavirus has impacted um, thousands of families in Michigan, and I don't think any of us can lose um, sight of that fact. And we have to be sympathetic to the situation a lot of families have been in. Now, what we have tried to do going back to this summer is, by all the data and statistics. Teenage kids are far and away in the lowest risk group. So what we've tried to, the needle we've tried to thread, is figuring out a way to keep our kids active and healthy um, to reduce as much COVID risk as possible, but yet also allow them to play because yet COVID is certainly a factor. But with teenage kids, I would argue that mental health issues are uh, are just as important in reducing the COVID risk. So this is an age um, where I think all of us are angry. I think all of us as a society are, are very, very frustrated. Um, on an almost daily basis, I get emails and phone calls um, from both ends of the spectrum. I get, you know, some people telling me that um, I need to grow a spine, that, you know, we should stand up to our state <laughs> government officials and we should just ignore these directives and we should just go out and play. And as I, I close that email, I'll open up a next one, and there will be somebody criticizing us for even attempting to play at all this year. That, you know, the virus with the way it is that um, we have our priorities out of whack and we shouldn't be doing anything. And then, Butch, I, I hear from almost every other person somewhere in the middle. But our whole tact has been, and our data from our fall sports shows, that not only were we able to play fall sports, but we were able to play them safely football included, and uh, we've just put forward a plan that uh, when our state government leaders will allow, we're going to resume activity because we think the benefits right now, and everybody says, well, Mark, how can you play sports when some schools are still going virtually? Isn't that the wrong look? Well, in normal times, I would agree um, that schools should come before sports, but I'm sorry, we're almost halfway through the school year. 
This has been the most abnormal school year that we've all had in almost a century. And because of that, if we can give kids just one thread of normalcy, and if that normalcy can be a high school athletic team and it can be done safely, then by gosh, um, we need to, to aggressively advocate for that, and, and that's what we're trying to do. Mark Ewell joining us on the game, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Mark, we've got time for about one more question. Uh, you know, looking ahead, we are seeing uh, some positive signs uh, with the vaccine now being distributed. Case counts are down slightly in Michigan. How far is the MHS, MHSA looking at possibly extending sports seasons? Say if things, you know, get delayed uh, another month, how far into the summer could uh, spring sports uh, be headed or have you even looked that far yet? You know, what we tried to do last spring, um, when it was still a possibility that, that school could resume, um, we were really looking to, to go into July if we had to. Um, you know, we had an awful lot of senior kids last year that graduated without getting any closing in the winter sport or the spring sport. And the one thing that we do have now that we didn't have last year is we do have some time out in front of us. So all options are still on the table with this school athletic year needs to go into the months that start with the letter J, meaning June and July. Um, that's something that we have to keep our, our mind open to because uh, it's going to take some creativity. It's going to take, uh, I think, some tenaciousness. But uh, we need to, and the thing that's really keeping me going is getting up each and every day to try and be an advocate for our kids to where an awful lot of kids have put in years of work all pointed toward their senior season and, uh, and we need to try and do whatever we can for those kids. Butch, we got about a minute left. Do you have any final thoughts for Mark Ewell? Yeah, no, let's take him off the hot seat here, man. He's <laughs> answered a whole heck of a lot of questions there. Mark, uh, how bad you are uh, in your position now? You're the head honcho now. How much you miss officiating? You know, um, I'm getting a, a <laughs> really you know, I'm good question. Through it. Um, with, uh, you know, everything that we've all dealt with since last March with COVID, I'm getting my feel of, uh, the criticism that normally I would miss with officiating of everybody second guessing every decision that you make. Um, but well, you uh, I official. will tell you though, yeah, that I will tell you though, that as an official, that background, um, it's really helped me grow some thick skin during a time where, uh, with all that criticism, you have to just separate it and not take it personally, and that's been a, a really good lesson. So, uh, Butch, uh, my gosh, those are three of them, the uh, tougher questions I've had recently. So uh, you get an A-plus uh, for tonight's interview. There you go. Mark Ewell yeah. joining us on the game, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Mark, appreciate you taking time out for us once again. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we will talk to you in 2021, hopefully about the sports that are going on. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with Lake Spirit State University head basketball coach Steve Henniga coming up next on the game here on ESPN 1400. Hi, this is Scott from Parker Ace Hardware. At Ace, we make painting a simple pleasure. Ask one of our friendly, knowledgeable Ace associates about our Ace Royal Paint, a high-quality paint at a price you'll love. You'll find Ace Royal Paint starting at an everyday low price of just $19.99 a gallon. It's another reason why, from a simple start to a fabulous finish, Parker Ace can help make your next painting project perfect. Parker Ace, the helpful place. Stop by Parker Ace Hardware. We're looking forward to serving you real soon. Stop by Parker Ace Hardware at 819 Ashman, downtown Sioux, Michigan. 
The holidays are the most joyous time of the year. They're also the most expensive. But with a little help from Sioux Co-op Credit Union, you can be prepared. Talk to us about a holiday loan. Borrow from $1,000 to $5,000 for up to 12 months for as low as 4.178% APR. Our holiday loan rates are more affordable than in-store credit cards as well as other credit cards. Apply online at SiouxCoop.com. Some restrictions do apply. Equal opportunity lender. Since 1916, a lot of independent agents have recommended auto owners insurance. And a lot of parents have taken that recommendation to heart. So have a lot of their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. As we celebrate our first 100 years, Auto Owners Insurance thanks all those who have put their trust in us and all the generations who will. Visit Madigan Pingator Insurance Services today on Water Street in Sioux, Michigan or at MadiganPingator.com. Is your furnace old? You could be dealing with a low-efficiency furnace costing you hundreds of dollars a year. The experts at Albert Heating and Cooling can help you with a new high-efficiency Bryant furnace. On sale now till the end of February. With your new furnace, you can buy an extended 10-year labor warranty for only $99. Start saving today with a new furnace and sleep soundly knowing you have no worries. Go online at AlbertHeating.com or stop in at 3147 South M129, just south of Three Mile Road today. Bryant, whatever it takes. Picture this. It's Monday afternoon and you're at Domino's buying a large three-topping pizza. You give the Domino's employee $7.99 plus tax, of course. Now, picture this. It's Friday and you're at Domino's buying a large three-topping pizza. You give the Domino's employee more than you paid Monday. You feel bamboozled. But then you hear this. Domino's extended its $7.99 large three-topping carryout deal to all day, every day. And so you danced and ate dominoes. Carry out only must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. It's time for the holidays. Arvstrom Pharmacy is your locally owned HealthMart pharmacy. Their friendly pharmacists and staff are there to help you with all your prescription and over-the-counter medications. After you drop off a prescription, you can look around the store at giftware for that special someone. Clay and motion pottery hand warmer mugs and other cooking ware that is made in the USA. Mailbox covers, floor mats, flags, ponchos, and much more. And by shopping locally, it helps support them and the downtown area. In Armstrong Medical Equipment and Supplies, you can surprise your loved ones with a lift chair, exercise peddlers, walkers, lift aids, fashion compression stockings, and more. Their knowledgeable and friendly staff are there to assist you with whatever you or your loved ones need. Stop into Armstrong Pharmacy and Armstrong Medical Equipment and Supplies, located at the corner of Ash and Spruce Streets in downtown Sioux, Michigan. Find them on Facebook and their webpage at ArfstromPharmacy.com. HealthMart, caring for you and about you. You can catch podcasts of the game at TheGameSportsShow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at thegamesportshow.com. Or if you want to hear it right away, we post the full two-hour broadcast of the game here on ESPN 1400 on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the snow continues outside on this blustery Monday night, I want to thank Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, for joining us. A very busy man, but he always makes time for ourselves here on the game, along with Coach's Corner with Dave Watson. 
we appreciate that. And uh, Butch Davis will be rejoining us here at the bottom of the hour, around 645, to talk Metro Detroit sports. We're scheduled to be joined by head coach of the Lake Superior State University men's basketball team, Steve Henninga. He has not called as of yet, so we'll keep the line open. Joining us at the bottom of the hour will be host of the game sports show in Sioux, Ontario, David McKegg Jr. Then at 7 o'clock, the full Roundtable with myself, Butch Davis, and we're hoping to be joined by E.J. Russell, host of The Hot Seat in Escanaba, Michigan. Uh, Not a lot of local sports going on. We did get word on Thursday that the 2021 I-500 snowmobile race, that race has been canceled as uh, event organizers uh, decided that it probably wasn't the best idea to run the I-500, so that will not be happening in February. Joining us on the game, head coach of the Lake Superior State University men's basketball team, Steve Henningen. Steve, uh, welcome back to the game. Hey, pleasure to be here. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing wonderful, Steve. And we ask all our guests the same first question uh, just uh, throughout this pandemic. Steve, I know you and I talk a lot, but uh, just overall, how are you and your family doing during this time? You know, we're doing as good as, as expected. You know, I think it's been just kind of one of those odd years. It's, it's, uh, the COVID has affected different people in different ways. And, you know, you're trying to, to find all the positives you can out of it and, and find some, some good out of what's been a bad situation for, for, a, for too long a time. But hopefully we're starting to see a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel and, and, uh, family's all healthy and, and uh, COVID-free, so uh, very thankful for that. That's good to hear, Steve. And some other good news that uh, you and your team are practicing, uh, getting ready for the upcoming GLIAC season, which will begin on January 8th, as you'll take on Wayne State for a pair of games. Obviously, Steve, this has been a coaching year unlike any other for you and pretty much anybody that's coaching. Uh, Just getting to this point, how challenging has that been for you? Oh, very. We've we've been kind of shut down. As, As you said, we were shut down for almost three weeks. Uh, we were lucky enough uh, up until that point that we didn't have any COVID cases on our team. So we were able to practice for a couple weeks, uh, which was more than, than a lot of teams throughout the country. And certainly, um, you know, even within our own, our own athletic department, our women's team was shut down for a little while with a couple cases. So we were happy to at least get a couple weeks in a practice. Uh, and you would have thought this was the first time our guys had been in the gym in years, the way they came back the first day. They were so happy just to, just to be in the gym, just playing basketball, which is what they all love to do. And uh, we're certainly thankful for the time that we have right now. We have, um, you know, seven full days before the NCAA is mandating, mandating us to have off from December 21st through the 27th. So we're taking full advantage of it. We've had uh, two practices a day the last two days, and uh, we just finished kind of a walkthrough thing um, uh, this evening. And our guys, we still have four or five guys in the gym getting shots up right now. So it's, it's a great time. Let's talk about your team, Steve. Uh, three seniors coming back. Uh, certainly will be great to see Malik Adams back on the court after missing last year with an injury. Just overall expectations of your squad. Obviously, just getting out in there and playing, it seems like a victory in itself. But as far as on the court, what do you expect out of these guys this season? You know, we're, obviously, we're, we expect senior leadership from all three of them. Um, you know, Sam Cornett and Brandon Allen, along with uh, Malik Adams, um, but as far as playing-wise, I mean, uh, Malik obviously is coming back as a first-team all-conference player, so it's going to be a huge shot in the arm to have him back on our pro, on, on the floor. Uh, he was a great assistant coach last year. He was a great mentor for our young players, but uh, certainly a, a great player in his own right. And, uh, you know, Sam is, is a guy that uh, we're hoping to get him healthy. He's been really injury-struck uh, the last all last year and, and at the start of this year, he's had some health problems. So we're just trying to get them healthy. And, and Brandon Allen obviously is as good a shooter as there is in the GLIAC. So 
we're just excited to see all three of those guys on the floor. One of the big differences this season, Steve, with uh, COVID-19 is uh, how you play games. Uh, normally it would be a Thursday, Saturday. You play different opponents. This year, you're playing the same opponent back-to-back, which just doesn't happen in college basketball and, and a lot of sports. Uh, do you go into those series uh, you know, a little bit uh, you know, from a different coaching perspective, or do you think that changes anything? I think it changes a little bit. I mean, obviously, you're you're preparing for the first game, and I think obviously a lot of the the chess the chess play, so to speak, will will, will happen uh, the night of uh, after the first game, and you're obviously trying to you know to either validate the win you already have, or to obviously make an adjustment and try to to get a split. You know, so it, it's going to be you know the same for everybody, which is kind of cool. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good thing that the league did. It was it was a an idea that uh, that kind of came about and made a lot of sense. Uh, COVID reasons why to just play the same 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 team. You wouldn't have to test multiple teams or have multiple teams uh, and possibly fans in the stands. You'd have the same kind of group uh, in the stands, and it's back to back nights, which you know allows you to test. Uh, hopefully, once once we're into season only. Um, you know, once a week versus having to test like we are now six times a week. Some news last week, Steve, we're joined by Steve Hennega, head coach of the Lake Superior State University men's basketball team. You announced the 2021 recruiting class, or I should say the first members of it, and, and a trio out of Ann Arbor Huron High School, as you have Devin Womack, Kingsley, Kingsley Perkins, and Tyson Edmondson coming, uh, where I should say signing national letters of intent. Uh, certainly a trio from Ann Arbor that you're probably pretty excited to come see play at Lake State. Yes, we are. We're very excited. They've they're they're on paper, you know, a, an excellent recruiting class. And you know, it's new. I've I've rarely recruited uh, two guys from the same school. We had had that a couple years ago with Nigel Colvin and uh, Dan Few from. Um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm River Rouge, I believe. River Rouge, excuse me. Uh, but yes, uh, but Ann Arbor Huron is is one of the top teams in the state. They'll they'll be ranked definitely in the top two or three preseason in Class A. And uh, we're getting three great players and three great kids uh, from the same school. So it, it, they're all different positions. There's a point guard, kind of a wing player, and, and a center. So we, we got three different positions, and, and they all get along very well, which is obviously you would never want to bring guys in from a high school team that weren't really close and, and had jealousies towards each other's playing time or successes, those type of things. So all three could not be you know better coached. I think their high school coach, Wally Samaha, is a great coach does a great job with them and and uh we could be excited more excited to have them. Steve, one of the things we will see early on and possibly throughout the season is no fans in the stands. You know, from a player perspective, that certainly has to be very different. You get a lot of energy at the Bud Cooper Gymnasium when, you know, even on a halfway decent sized crowd. But, you know, from the players and coaching perspective, playing in an empty gym, is that is that going to be something uh, a little bit different? I think so. I, I think energy-wise, I think it might level a little bit of the home court advantage on some of the some of the schools that really draw well. I think it can certainly be less intimidating for younger players, especially to go on the road and they'll have more of a more of an AAU feel where they're just kind of going into a quieter gym and, and just playing ball uh, us against them. Um, I think it's, the energy level will certainly be different. And uh, you know, for us, I mean, obviously as a team, you know, we're going to kind of have to create our own energy and. Uh, be as excited as we can be um, moving forward and, and kind of just stirring up our own energy. Steve, final question for you before we let you go. This is your 14th season at Lake State. You're the all-time winningest coach in men's basketball program history. I think I've asked you this almost every year over the last few years, but what keeps you here in Sault Ste. Marie and coaching at Lake State? 
Well, I love it. I, I love the community. I've, I've loved uh, our teams every year. I always feel like this is the next best team that we've had. Uh, super excited for the for the recruits that we have, and certainly our last two or three recruiting classes are no exception. Um, and now some of those guys, the CJ Robinsons and Justin Fishers, are now juniors. And you know, Xander Oakland last year is now a sophomore. Some of these really good players that we have, you know, I kind of make promises to to them and their families that hey. You know, they ask me that question all the time. Are you going to be here for my son's four years? And I tell them the same answer. Like, if Notre Dame calls me, I'm out of here. But otherwise, <laughs> you know, I, really, I love I love Lake State and, and kind of what it represents. I love the culture that we've built. I certainly enjoy our alumni base and the players that I've coached that come back. And, you know, you're just kind of now starting to see some of those rewards of, of some of those, you know, older players that are still young, young, young guys that are now turning 30, 35, you know, the – Ryan Cools and Mark Morris, Scott Perkins, and all those guys, Derek Kenny. All I could go on and on about these guys that are now great husbands and fathers, and uh, you know, just doing well in the workforce. So it's just kind of a neat thing that we've built, um, and I just I just love it here. I love everything about Lake State. The good news is, Steve, unlike those guys, you're not getting any older. <laughs> yeah, I wish that was the case. Yeah, me too. I, I laugh. I tell people in my my 14 years, I I had hair when I started. (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, you did. (laughs) Steve Hennigan joining us on the game, head coach of the Lake Superior State University men's basketball team. Again, the Lakers' first GLIAC conference games will be January 8th and 9th against Wayne State. We'll have those games right here on ESPN 1400. Coach, appreciate you joining us on the game. We'll certainly talk to you uh, once again uh, throughout the season. Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. And we'll be back with David McKay Jr. coming up next on the game here on ESPN 1400. For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our Central Savings Bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. Ask what we can do for you. For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our Central Savings Bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. Ask what we can do for you. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at thegamesportshow.com and thegamesportshow.podbean.com. Scott Nason with you on this Monday night. Coming up next, we'll hear we'll hear once again from Butch Davis from Butch on Sports, who will get us up to date on the Metro Detroit sports scene. But joining us right now, host of the Game Sports Show in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Two new additions up last week, which you can find on all our platforms. David McKeg Jr., co-host of this show, joining us on the game. Kegger, how you doing on this Monday night, sir? Scotty, I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? 
Doing well, Dave. Uh, wanted to have you on last week, but unable uh, because of some technical glitches, but we got you on this week. And so we want to get an update on what's going on in Sioux, Ontario and the Northern Ontario sports scene. Let's start with the Sioux Greyhounds. Obviously, they are not in action. It'll be a little bit before they hope to resume in the Ontario Hockey League. But there was some news this past week. One of their players, second round draft pick this uh, past NHL draft, Ryan O'Rourke. He was hoping to make Team Canada for the World Junior Championships, which will begin, believe it or not, in less than two weeks in Red Deer, Alberta. Unfortunately, he was one of the last cuts, Dave, unable to make the team. Obviously a big disappointment for Mr. O'Rourke, but still, he's got a lot uh, of good things in his future. Oh, does he ever, right? He got drafted second round, 39th overall. Uh, this year to the Minnesota Wild and definitely a perfect organization for him to jump into once he keeps developing and goes into his professional career because Minnesota is starving for some more youth in that team and they're going to start retooling towards that rebuild I think a bit more and I think O'Rourke's going to be a big piece of that team once the time comes but here's a guy who is from Pinker, uh, Pickering, Ontario, right? And he's playing in Sault Ste. Marie and he's the captain of the Greyhounds. But the, I don't think he should be discouraged about not making the World Junior team, okay? And this is uh, this is going to be a conversation that obviously we're going to dive into a little bit, but also here in the Sioux Ontario shows that we have upcoming this week, we're going to dive into it in a full preview format. Uh, but you have the Canada World Junior team, Scott, that is absolutely stacked. Okay? Loaded. Like, they're, they're, they're like, everyone's basically a first-round pick, Okay, you, you up front, they're absolutely disgusting. On defense, you know, the, Jamie Drysdale led by he's a he was a top pick, one of the top picks this year. He went to the Ducks. You have Caden Goulet there. You have Bowen Byram, who arguably could crack the Avalanche roster. You know, Thomas Harley, who's already been drafted as well. There's there's a great list of players there. Okay, on defense, obviously up front, they're absolutely stacked. But on the back end, there's a lot of great talent there that are just as good as Ryan is, if not some better talent. Not because they're better uh, in terms of being better hockey players. Also, some of them are a bit year older, a bit more experienced. There's a lot of underlying factors at the reason why Ryan didn't make it. And he doesn't have to be discouraged. He should be actually happy on how far he made it to be one of the last cuts. But also how good that he played I feel in the inner squad games he didn't seem like he was left out he didn't seem like he was somebody who did not fit in in terms of any kind of way so he really stepped up did well at the camp but I feel like uh, this was a direction of this team where you you could have picked anybody okay you could have literally made two teams of this Canada team I feel like and both teams would have been just as competitive so at the end of the day Ryan O'Rourke doesn't make it captain of the Greyhounds obviously locally from what we're talking about right now but he has a, a very, very bright future. And I imagine next year, you know, he'll be about 19 years old next year. He can be, if he does go back the junior route, which I imagine that he would go back to the junior route. Maybe there's a chance uh, that he can make it at that time. I'm not too sure because of the age and the difference in age and everything of such. If he is, uh, I don't have that confirmation at the top of my head, but if he has the opportunity, you know, next year, he'd probably be a shoe in, but even if he doesn't play a part of the Canada world junior system, he definitely has a bright future going forward for him. Dave, let's move on to the NO. JHL, they resumed action on Sunday, a pair of games. You had the Timmins Rocket defeating Hearst 2-1, Cochran over Kirkland Lake 5-0. The Sioux Thunderbirds and Blind River Beavers will resume Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, a home-and-home series. We hope to get an update from the league uh, with their commissioner, uh, Robert Mazuka. Uh, for whatever reason, he did not join us last Monday night, but you know the Sioux Thunderbirds 
uh, and Blind River Beavers back in action. Uh, it's been a little bit of a pause, but they are getting some games in. What are your thoughts? You know what? I'm happy to see that the league is back up and resumed, right? And the last time the Thunderbirds have been in action has been November the 29th. So you're looking at a good number of weeks after playing. Like you're going into right now, uh, you're obviously it's been two weeks exactly. Uh, well, I guess two weeks and one day exactly according to our recording right now. But so you're getting to that point now where they are keeping in shape. They're trying to uh, keep everything going. But practicing and staying prepared for games are completely different than playing games. I can tell you that right now. And for the Beavers, for the Thunderbirds, and you know what, I'll even like a whole entire teams in the junior hockey realm in Canada and also USA. Once you have that time off of not playing, you're it's, it is very much different. It's very good to see that they're starting to resume that play, but it had to be done because of the COVID-19 protocols, right? And uh, right now you have projections that to be tomorrow night that you have a good number of action going on between the, the Sioux Thunderbirds and Espanola. Blind River be playing the race side ball for Canadiens. So, you know, the, it's good to see them get back into it and they're going to try their best to keep uh, putting the games close together uh, with following the correct policies of COVID-19. But one thing that I'm curious to see is when these games are played, uh, how the teams play going into those games and how the coaches can adjust. I think Scott, and I think you might agree that having these big layoffs, which a couple weeks is in the, in the competitive hockey world, trust me, it is. Uh, I, I think it's really uh, how the coaches play their players. I really am interested to see, like, especially with Mr. Lambert does with this team, if it's going to be quick shifts, you know, or if everyone's going to get a chance on the power play, if everyone's going to get a chance on the penalty kill, or if there's going to be an opportunity where, you know, what, like that, that, that he's going to stick to status quo to what he's been doing. It, it, same with Blind River and also the same with every team and see how they adjust to these, right? But obviously with Kirkland playing that tomorrow night and some teams that have already played within the last day or so, they're kind of have it back under their feet. But I'm very curious to see what the Thunderbirds and Beavers do. But it's a big adjustment, Scott, right, from taking those layoffs. And I think the coaches have a big part in how they can get back into that game mentality after being off for a couple of weeks. David McKay Jr. joining us on the game. And Dave, one team that has been able to play this past weekend, the Sioux Jr. Greyhounds, coached by someone you know very well, Jamie Henderson. They go 2-1-1 one, and one in Sudbury. And they're doing things uh, similar to the NOJHL as far as no body contact, but they're doing 11-player games. They're splitting up the teams, trying to get you know keep people away from each other as much as they can. It's the second straight weekend that the Sioux Junior Greyhounds have gone to one and one. And again, they're probably just happy to be playing hockey right now. Oh, that that's the big thing. It's been it's been a thing all year that that has been a process to see to get everyone back on the ice. And of course, you know, Jamie Henderson is a guy who's quite active on social media and was really voicing how he's really hoping to get back and get back in the swing of things. And for them to be two, one and one in the first four games of them playing, it's certainly a good step forward into the season, hopefully continuing to maintain and be underway. And one quote that, you know, reading from a local article in town was uh, they, there's a lot of players that he was giving credit to, but he was saying uh, that we were still having problems with puck management early in the day, but it got better as the games went on. And obviously what I take from that point with Henderson was that he, obviously there's a delays, delays in starting. And it goes right back to what I just said a few moments ago with the Thunderbirds getting into action after being off for a couple of weeks, never mind a couple of weeks. They've played a couple of games anyways this year. The Sioux junior grounds are just getting started with everything. Right. And they've been practicing. Right practicing and practice and getting their time in, but practicing is, is yeah, you better your skills as a player, but it's so much different being in the games. And like you said, Scott, they're just happy to be on the ice. And obviously Jamie Henderson, there's a guy who's been really dedicated to the program. He's really 
He's really faithful to the hockey community in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He was, that's his passion. He really, he really wants to get back to the community in the way of hockey. And it all started when I was on the Sioux Thunderbirds. Okay, now him and I probably didn't see eye to eye. or No, we didn't see eye to eye when I was a player. <laughs> uh, there's only one coach I saw eye to eye with really closely. That's Jim Cappy. And believe it or not, even Jim traded me. So, you know, honestly, <laughs> Jim, uh, uh, Jamie Henderson, uh, all jokes aside, you know, he's happy to be underway. I was hoping to try to get in touch with him this weekend, but I will at some point this week. Yeah, the Sooth Junior uh, Greyhounds are back, and we should just be happy that there is hockey back and starting to come back, uh, and hopefully a full thresh very soon. Dave, big news last Monday night with the Sioux Ontario City Council. They have approved replacing the McMeekin Center, easy for me to say, with a new $28.2 million twin pad arena. This will be an 85,000-square-foot arena, which will have two National Hockey League-sized rinks. It's certainly something that's been talked about a lot, and it looks like it's something that's going to happen. Yeah, it is. And you know what? The one thing that we've brought this up on the show, on our show, Scott, brought it up on many other shows here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario's show, especially on our hockey side of the shows. It, it's been discussed. It's not a secret here in the Sioux that that McMeekin pad that is legendary to a lot of individuals, even legendary to my parents. Okay, and that yeah. that rink has also had a lot of issues. It caused a, a cold orange in town. Obviously, with me working at the hospital, I know what that means. But it's just it's a community wide disaster, if you will, right? Because there's a little bit of a, an exhaust leak that caused a little bit of concerns and a little bit of issues for everyone that was in there. It, it's long overdue. Okay, that this not happened about four years ago or so. So it's been long overdue that the McMeekin Center is is Gonzo. And the, yes, I said the word Gonzo on radio. I, I really, I really feel that it makes so much sense. It's been the worst kept secret that's been wanting to happen. But there was there this wasn't wanted by the Sault Ste. Marie Council before. But this was brought forward now. From what I gathered, it was an eight to three vote to replace the rink. So it's great to see that the council has really fought forward for this and yes that's a lot of money 28.2 million dollars in Sault Ste. Marie Ontario you know it, it's still money that is being sent but or being sent that's being used towards something but it's going to enhance the sport community and one thing Scott though that I'm concerned with seeing the layout of it it's great to see that there is a twin pad the ice size is going to be great I know one rink layout almost reminds me of how the Rankin Arena is uh, how there's just the one side seating it's almost right. like Blind Rivers Arena that's uh, Blind River Beavers anyone who knows Blind River Beavers Arena how they have that one side where they can sit I think it's 700 to 1,000. If I know at the top of my head, maybe it is a bit more or a bit less. But that's one thing that they made, I feel like there's could have improved with the GFL, was had more seating so they can actually host a lot of bigger events, right? Hopefully the Hounds one day can host a Memorial Cup here, but I don't know if that'll ever be a, like a hinge on that. But one thing that I wanted to see with these ranks is almost like how Kirkland Lake rink is. A full round seating, okay, for everyone to sit that can still seat about 1,200 to 1,500 people. And you can have a full all the way around seating, which can also be great for social distancing if we have to follow those rules going forward. And then you can have the other rink that's more like the like the rank arena where it has the one side. I'm just concerned to see where the seating is going to be. But overall, very happy to see that there is going to be two new rinks. That West End Community Center already has a great facility there. It's going to be great when it expands to this. And it's going to be uh, hopefully a new home for some potential hockey teams if it is the Thunderbirds. I know the John Rose has been a long home of that, but maybe even Sioux College. There's a lot of teams that really can get involved and go into that rank, utilize the new rank, and 
it's been long overdue. Dave, we got about two minutes left in our segment. What's ahead for the game sports show in Sioux, Ontario this week? You know, we, uh, this week, obviously you've met, you uh, went attested to it earlier uh, before you, when you introduced me that we had a couple shows this past week, uh, Jeremy Yablonski, such a hilarious interview. Okay. I feel like I say that about every interview that we've had, but the stories that he had to tell, I want to make sure I remind everyone to check out that upload. And also this week, uh, we will not have a special edition upload this week. We will have one next week. Kind of getting into the Christmas holidays, if you will, on the Sioux, Ontario side. Uh, so the news shows and the special edition shows are currently down to the new year. But let me tell you, from January 4th on, there's going to be a lot of shows each week. We've been a lot of shows recording. But Scott, to answer your question quickly, this week we will have a hockey news show as well. And we do plan to have a basketball news show all within one show. We plan to do that upload on Tuesday night. That is the plan. And we will have in the pocket this week. So we still have... A couple new shows to get into this week, but make sure if you're looking for that special edition show, you got to get caught up with Jeremy or Jeremy Blonsky and Jason Bakashua. And just next week, our guest will be Rob Fritt. And a lot of individuals may not know who Rob is, but just look him up. He's a great ambassador, especially in the world of um, like oh, just enhancements for mental health in the world community and just in hockey. He was a former, another former enforcer on our show that we are having. So that's what's on deck this week, though, Scott. A couple new shows, hockey, basketball, football, and it's still going to be a great time, but make sure you check out everything that we have on our website. And you can find that at thegamesportshow.com. David McKay Jr., co-host of our show on ESPN 1400 and host of the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario. Thank you for joining us, sir, and we'll talk next week. We're going to take a week off between Christmas and New Year's. So we'll talk to you next week on our next edition of the game. Sounds good. You know what, Scott? I say this every time, but I miss not being there live with you in person, my friend. I need to get over the border just to see you and also get to some of the shopping areas out there. Yes, let's hope this vaccine gets here quickly and we can resume uh, somewhat normal activities. Dave, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, we'll be back with Butch Davis from Butch on Sports, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, the game, ESPN 1400. MNC Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Sir the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. 
647 on the game, ESPN of 1400. Scott Mason with you. Want to thank our guests so far tonight, Mark Yule, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, along with Steve Henniga, Head Coach of the Lake Superior State University men's basketball team, and David McKeg Jr., host of the Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll have our roundtable. Myself, EJ Russell, host of the Hot Seat in Escanaba, Michigan, and our next guest and co-host. You heard him in our interview with Mark Yule. And he's back, Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. You can find his show on his podcast page. Just go to Simply Butch 2. That's T-O-O dot Potomatic dot com. You'll find a couple new additions coming up this week. You can also find him on Facebook. Just look up Butch on Sports. Butch Davis rejoining us. Welcome back, Butch, and thanks for joining us on the game. Hey, glad to be back here. Well, Butch, uh, let's cover the Detroit sports scene here before we get to our roundtable next hour. And you were at Ford Field to witness the festivities that were the Detroit Lions. Uh, They played, well, I guess they played with Green Bay uh, as far as the scoreline, losing by seven with the Lions, pretty much eliminate themselves out of playoff contention, losing to the Green Bay Packers, five and eight on the season. Matt Stafford, he gets banged up. Uh, The Lions defense got banged up. And then some, uh, your overall thoughts on what you saw saw at Ford Field yesterday? Not very good, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you play Green Bay here, who basically, what, didn't you you have the effect that Green Bay were just teasing? It seemed like it, didn't it? It seemed like it. Knowing what the outcome would be there. And that's really what I saw the whole game there. The Lions defense showed up sometimes, and the majority of the time they not showed up at all there. And that was the big deal there, especially the quarterbacks when they started throwing the ball. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, that is. Uh, he had a field day when it came down to having open receivers uh, available for him. And uh, Adams, you can't say uh, not not anything bad about his 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 will of catching the ball there. Boy. And in most cases, the Lions, if they played the you know if they played the position well, which I have not seen one cornerback this year do that, uh, there would have been some. Uh, some great uh, outcomes there, but you didn't see it. You did see it throughout the game where uh, it was crucial for the Lions to stop a, a pass to Adams or one of the other receivers there. And and that shows me, boy, you're capable of doing this on a routine basis there. You might lose out maybe one time, but the way they were being beat up by the receivers of Green Bay, it was just ridiculous. The line uh, – the almost uh, got you kind of thing there where Aaron Rodgers just took off and run. Uh, and this is the things that I was talking about throughout the season about Matthew Stafford. And if he had that ability, and many times you've had those opportunities to run, not be at what you call run at panic. And right. that's what we saw yesterday when he got hurt. Because every time he does it, run at panic. Uh, he, he, the ending is very bad for him. And uh, this case is the ribs. I, they say, well, we're going to wait and see. And Matthew said he felt a little better today, but I, if they have any brains, they will not play Matthew Stafford next week against a good Tennessee team who are looking to go to the playoffs. That's, it's, it's going to be very bad for him if the, that team is not prepared. And I don't see that happening this week or any week up 
up close and further. Yeah, Tennessee looked uh, mighty impressive yesterday, and uh, the Lions will play Tennessee on Sunday in Nashville. You can catch that game on our sister station, Oldies 93, starting with the pregame show at 11 a.m. But we're going to talk more uh, NFL and Big Ten football when we get into our roundtable. Let's move on to the other Detroit professional sports team, the teams rather, the Detroit Pistons in action at Little Caesars Arena, a pair of exhibition games against the New York Knicks uh, going one and one, the new look Pistons. Pistons, uh, you know, trying out some new pieces. Uh, and uh, overall, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, what you saw and uh, what to expect uh, with the Pistons? Nothing but flop. Yeah, you know? tough games to watch. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, nothing but goulash and flop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like our roads right now. <laughs> I mean, the, the, big, the big call throughout the offseason is they got 75% new players in there and who's going to fit in and how they're going to look. And it's going to be a little bit more attractable for Coach Casey to be able to coach. And a dee-dee-da, dee-dee-da, dee-dee-da. <laughs> and really, when I, I, I didn't see anything. And not really interesting or uh, just put out forward, you know, you're not seeing the starters going too much. I've seen Derrick Rose in one of the games there. Uh, It's it's nothing to talk about until we get a set lineup and a set roster there. Uh, really, you're not going to see too much. You're getting only four games. Uh, you're getting some B rows and some practices here, and maybe some uh, players that they've already coached in or what they're going to say and what not going to say. So right now it's not very interesting right now to even cover anything. I can't wait for the roster. Then I can't wait for the season to come up if nothing I foresee happens uh, with this being pulled back or anything. Yeah, we're minus one ball with the Pistons as uh, the yeah, eldest ball brother. Yep. <laughs> Out of town by sundown, as you would say. Yes, it will be. Sundown for the daddy. You're going to be talking about the Pistons like a dog for the next three years. <laughs> you got you know? that right. <laughs> Trying to sell some drawers or something. Yep, you know, yep. Shoes. Big ball of shoes, exactly. Uh, Butch, right. let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, still uh, waiting uh, official word from the NHL. It looks like possibly sometime in January. Uh, there'll be new divisions this year with an all-Canadian division and more. Uh, what can you tell us about the Wings uh, this past week? But what you just said is official uh, to the point where they think very much so they'll be able to start hockey uh, around the area January the 13th, okay? So uh, the Players Associations and also the owners got together and they're saying it's a go or we'll clam up the divisions. Uh, the Players Association uh, said this is the way it's going to be right now. Uh, they have agreed to it. So I see no reason they're not going to get started. I think the big possibility is right now is that you got to get with the NBA, which in this case the Red Wings have to because, again, they're going to be sharing the facilities. I think it's very important to know or very important to have some cooperation in how that facility is going to be used because the Red Wings do the majority of their training in that facility in their second deck uh, hockey arena that they have in in, uh, Little Caesars Arena. So 
that is going to be very important, too, and how they spice that up there. And this is a majority of the arenas in the NHL, if they're sharing a, uh, a venue with someone else, maybe indoor football or maybe some uh, basketball, something of that nature there. And that's including some of the Canadian teams as well, where they have maybe indoor lacrosse or something. Uh, how that's going to take place, how that facility is going to be used, and they can keep it consistent where people don't get hurt and when i say get don't get hurt uh meaning don't get covert butch davis joining us on the game butch will be with us for the second hour for our round table along with ej russell from the hot seat in escanaba michigan uh butch uh, general manager of the detroit tigers alavila made some comments here this past uh, week talking about uh, not looking for a quick fix with the detroit tigers maybe not spending a lot of money this year to try to compete uh, i know you know mr avila quite well butch uh, what are your thoughts uh, as far as the detroit tigers and uh you know to spend now save later uh, what are your thoughts well <laughs> this is al al is a good old boy like me here i'm going he's being very truthful about what he has done with the tigers and that is he's going to put this uh organization in a area where they can compete number one and don't have to go broke to do it Number two, if when and when you need particular player in a certain situation, they have the money or the space to buy it there, and not maybe just getting a player for uh, giving up draft choices and like their loss in years past in order to get a player for two or three years. He's only good for two months, and after that, you're paying him the rest of the the salary and the siphon there because he's on injured reserve or just can't make it. I. I think his 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 possibility is that he's going to go through all avenues. That means all those kids that he got right now who's going to be up on in training camp and whatnot, he wants to try every single bit of them there. Give the 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 real problem is or the real concern is is uh AJ Hintz is gonna put these players in pieces here right. in order to make the team competitive. And that has to happen first. That second thing has to happen is these players have the ability to go and play almost every single day. And many of them have not done that or been consistent when they have been in that particular uh place. And we have young kids that we played last year. Uh maybe they got good for two or three, four games. And after that, they have a downdrum of maybe 20 games. Now, you can't be competitive that way there. And now you got to wonder if you continue to play that player or now you bring someone up from Toledo to replace them and whatnot there, okay? And I don't think he wants that. He wants some consistency when it comes down to dealing with the team and how it's going to go, where the fans can see the growth and development. And also, not so much judge or tell the Tigers what to do and how to run their, uh, their their court, but again, being able to see, you know how how difficult it is to get to get it done. Butch, uh, final question for you: uh, You were on the interview with Mark Ewell from the MHSAA and had some very pointed and good questions. Uh, just overall thoughts on uh, on the interview and what Mark had to say. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a tough position for anybody to be in, especially during a pandemic. But you know, I appreciate him coming on our show. He doesn't have to join our show. He's joined twice here over the past few months, and uh, just your overall impressions of the interview yeah it's like the old super chicken saying you knew the job was hard when you touched that's it. right you know? and he's finding it out <laughs> and, and that's just 
just plain and simple. And I think Mark, uh, he said it best in that last uh, question I gave him that, you know, being official gives you that that, that gutsy little move of, of being strong there. And right now he has to be because he's getting it from all ends and all angles. Yeah. And he's not the facilitating person to say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. He's following other advice, mainly from the scientists, mainly from the health departments, on how to keep everyone safe throughout this. Everyone's enthusiasm is one thing, but when you wake up tomorrow morning and maybe your son or your daughter got COVID because of some kind of mistake that was made, someone wants to get going to get blamed. And it shouldn't be that what they were doing or how it was done. uh, It's the blame of things there. So, you know, it's better be safe than sorry here. And if they extended another two weeks, it'll be all right with me. I just want to see these kids, when they do go back, it's done safely and cautiously where they don't get hurt or parents don't get hurt or coaches don't get hurt. Well said, Butch. Uh, 300,000 lives have been lost in this country. We passed that uh, uh, mark today, and certainly uh, we want to follow the science and make everything safe. And soon, hopefully soon, we'll get back to somewhat normal activities. We're going to take a break here on the game. When we come back, Butch and I will be joined by EJ Russell for the roundtable coming up next on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Buffalo Wild Wings wants to help you get through the work week. And Tuesdays and Thursdays might just be the worst days. That's why they've created Wing Tuesdays and Boneless Thursdays with a buy one, get one free offer. Let's crush this week together with Wing Tuesdays and Boneless Thursdays at the Sault Ste. Marie Buffalo Wild Wings. Boss has your back when the weather turns white in light of day and dark of night when winter shuts down work and schools come with resolve and powerful tools endure through every push salt and stack until your streets are back to black Gaylor thompson sales and service your boss dealer just off exit 373 rudyard michigan For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our central savings bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. Ask what we can do for you. For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our central savings bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. Ask what we can do for you. Let's get to the second half of the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sault Ste. Marie's sports leader. It's the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Now, here's Scott Nason. And welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also find our show online. Just go to thegamesportshow.com. TheGamesportShow.podbean.com. You can also find us on Podbean. 
think I already said that. Maybe I didn't say that. I don't know. I, I get them all confused. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Facebook, Instagram. Just look up the Game Sports Show. You can find us all over the place. Scott Nason with you. We're continuing to be joined by Butch Davis from Butch on Sports for our roundtable. And we are now joined by host of the Hot Seat in Escanaba, Michigan, and co-host of our show here on ESPN 1400, all the way from Escanaba, Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, EJ Russell. Yo! EJ, how you doing on this Monday night? A little snowy here in Sault Ste. Marie. I think you guys are hogging up all the good snow because we just got a real light dust in last night. But uh, I'm doing okay. There was some pretty big news announced that I'm not exactly the most happy about being a loyal fan uh, of my hometown of Cleveland and all of its sports teams. So I'm certain that we'll get into the topic uh, that doesn't exactly have me the most excited, although I understand you know where things are going. But happy to be here. Uh, just wanted to say real quick, thank you, Butch. Butch did join uh, Tyler and I for an episode of The Hot Seat, uh, which, of course, you can check out at thegamesportshow.com. But unfortunately, we're having some difficulty locating the recording. Uh, that's an error on my end. But Butch did an absolutely fantastic job. He'll be on again. We were talking college basketball. But like I said, happy to be here with you boys as always. Well, let's get to that subject right now, EJ, and I'll throw it to you first. And then, Butch, uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, will be dropping the Indians' nickname. Uh, this according to several sources. We don't know when exactly that's going to happen, if it's this season or after this season. Uh, the Cleveland Indians' nickname, which has been their nickname since 1915, uh, following similar decisions like the NFL's Washington football team, which was previously known as the Red skin so ej i know you're a big cleveland fan cleveland baseball fan uh your thoughts you know i'm gonna start off by trying my best not to just sound ignorant and i fully understand the idea behind wanting to get away from names that could be considered um or are considered um i'll say racially unjust okay and and none of us here support racism uh but People need to understand that the Cleveland baseball team used to be called in 1880s, they were known as the Cleveland Spiders, which yes. may be um, one of the favorites to come back as a name. Uh, but the team changed its name in 1915 to honor uh, one of their players who was the first Native American baseball player in professional baseball. And, and we named it that to honor him. It was not meant as an insult. And I think if people understood the full history behind it, I think they might respect the name. Um, a little bit more, you know, I don't, I've never met someone personally that was offended by the name Cleveland Indians. I have met people in my time in Sault Ste. Marie, where there is a large tribal community, uh, native American community where they found chief Wahoo offensive. Um, you know, and I can understand that as well, the red face, but you know, I used to argue, well, he also has blue hair. How many people do you know with blue hair? Like, come on, you know, he's the team colors, but, um, I understand the decision. I do not like it just because there is, you know, over a hundred years of history as the Cleveland Indians. I got to go buy all new gear now. I don't really care about buying new gear. I'm happy. You know, I love when the Browns, the Browns change their jerseys back to the old one. I immediately ordered a Nick Chubb. Uh, I got my Brown swag on tonight, though, as we're playing Monday Night Football. But, um, again, I fully understand the decision. I think if people were more educated as to why the team uh, had that name or carried that name, I think they would understand a little bit more. I fully understand the the removing Chief Wah, who is the mascot. Uh, but that's kind of where I thought that they should draw the line. I, I don't find, um, you know, the term Indian offensive myself. I, I don't know a lot about my history being adopted. I do know I, I'm a little bit Blackfoot Indian, um, Blackfoot Native American, um, whatever the terminology is that is correct. But 
Uh, I don't find it offensive. Um, I, I hope, I think that most people don't. Um, but I fully understand, even though I'm not a fan of the name change. Bush Davis, your thoughts. Oh, and I wanted to add this real quick. Uh, Dolan, one of the owners of the team, did announce that they will be carrying the name Cleveland Indians uh, to the 2021 season. And at that point, there should be a decision made as to what the team will be called. What's your thoughts? Well, they don't have to get their little tails all wagged up right now here. By God, they can have Indians on their jersey. I'm kind of in the middle of it there, you know, and not being a person who complained about it and whatnot. I thought the name the Indians all right, but I think the history that EJ just gave needs to be spoken a lot more often, and it has not been. So, EJ, you just did a service on how the Indians got that name. And and it's not to Thank somewhat you. degrade the guy, but to commemorate the Indians there. Uh, you know, that's not being talked about on the on the shows or on the talk shows or anything else, which make them totally bland and make us heroes here. Because again, we're giving something to the general public that may not have any knowledge about that it was commemorating the particular individuals there and this particular individual as well as being the first native person to uh, don a a uniform with the Indians there or for that matter, maybe the um, uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, I have been to Indian games where I've seen protesters outside the door. Did I join them? No. I hurry up and got out of the way, but you can see him on both sides. And, you know, that was kind of shaky there. But again, to change the name, if that was the case, it should have been done a long time ago because Stanford did it. Many of the colleges that had maybe named St. John's is another one I can think of off the top of my head there, changed those particular names because of, uh, quote, unquote, offensive naming or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, Washington uh, Redskins, they got in it at the tail end of the thing here. So I don't really give them no no attaboy for them doing what they're doing because they did what they did under strictly huge pressure there, okay? And it was just something that they should have did a long time ago if that was the case. But, again, this is where we are right now there. Hopefully that story that EJ just told can get around where maybe people can take a second view of the of the of the the name Indian for Cleveland and give us some homage if that's the case of keeping that name. Yeah, I'll echo what Butch said there, uh, EJ. I had not heard that either, and so that's very good information to pass to our listeners and personally because I didn't know that. I, I'm with Butch on this one. I, I'm somewhere in the middle. Obviously, uh, I you know it it it. It can't offend me because I'm not of Native American descent, but I can certainly understand those who do. So I, you know, I feel I can't really speak on that. And not being a Cleveland Indians fan, you know, it's, it doesn't personally maybe uh, hit me like it would. But the, here's some of the names that I thought were interesting. Uh, some of the names being bantered about. We mentioned the Cleveland Spiders. That's one uh, there. I like this one, the Cleveland Naps. Now they used to be called the Cleveland There's Naps. One. Yep, that's it. Was uh, Napla Joy who was. Uh, Cleveland's first real, it was really the American League's first true superstar. Here's some of the other ones that that I looked up that uh, have been mentioned. Uh, the Cleveland Fellers, how about that? Uh, honoring Bob Feller, good. Our, uh, one of the best pitchers certainly in Major League Baseball. Uh, the Cleveland Rock or the Cleveland Rockers, of course, Cleveland home to the Rock and Roll Ooh, Hall of Fame. 
They can't go with the Rockets. I go for that one I'll buy that. But that was the WNBA team, the Cleveland Rockers, so you can't take that. Oh, yeah. That would be a good one. Uh, The Cleveland Crows, I'm not quite sure what that one is. Uh, Oh, no. And, and how about this one? The Cleveland Cuyahogas. I, I, the Cuyahoga River, no, of course, runs through Cleveland. Sugar whatever I, like the I would have no problem with the Cuyahogas except it's extremely hard to spell. Wasn't that river on fire a while back, or was that the lake? Um, I can't remember. So, uh, I'll was he an Indian? As one that enjoys himself a good craft beer, uh, Great Lakes Brewery out of Cleveland did name one of their beers Burning River because, yes, we set the Cuyahoga River on fire not just once, but twice due to pollution. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that did happen. But one of the things I want to I want to just touch on real quick, you know, Napa Joy. They, the Indians were known as the Naps for quite a while, um, and, and there's no official contribution to the Indians naming the team after. Um, I'm not going to attempt to say the name of the tribe, but Louis Sakalexis was the name of the player um, in the official release and news stories published to announce the selection in 1915. Um, nobody actually named him being the reason, although there were some uh, Native American slurs in there. So it is a legend. Kate. I don't know that it's officially contributed, but I think it is widely accepted amongst Indian fans that that is why we, we named it that way to honor. So, um, you know, are, are we breaking some news? Sure. Is it more legend? Yes. But um, he did play on that baseball team. He was present. And there are multiple pieces that do state that he is. Uh, and these were released later, not during the original 1915 release, that, that attributed the naming of the team to uh, Mr. Lewis Sokolex. Butch, I know this. No matter what they're called, they'll still kick the pants off the Tigers, won't they? Oh, yeah. Every single <laughs> minute here right now. Well, and, and what kind of... More to come, huh? Yes. <laughs> and I know that, you know, Spiders are the, you know, the 1880s team. Naps was one that was popular. You know, The Rock, some of those other ones are real popular. But the one that the, the two that I've seen the most is number one, most people are just like, hey, why don't you call them the Cleveland Indians? A lot of Cleveland Indians fans do not want to see the name change. Sure. Uh, but another name that I actually really like uh, that I think can work and still goes with one of our nicknames is the Tribe. They have been known as the Tribe for a long time. Tribe is a non offensive thing. There were Norwegian tribes, Viking tribes, Native American tribes have been tribes. All throughout the world, I think that'd be a fantastic name to replace because we can still kind of feel like that is part of our identity, right? They took Chief Wahoo first, now they're taking the Indians, but at least let us keep the tribe. So, I think that's, in my opinion, my favorite for a name change. But I wouldn't be surprised to go back to see him go back to the Cleveland Spiders. I see a lot of uh, logos floating around saying to bring it back. EJ, uh, time for one more topic before we go to break. It's your turn. So, what would you like to talk about on the roundtable? Butch, we'll go to you first. All right, I'm going to throw this out here, okay? And I'm going to stick with the Cleveland trend right now just because this game is on tonight. we got Mike Cleveland Browns playing the Baltimore Ravens, who I know uh, that a few of our listeners are Baltimore Ravens fans. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys this. Pittsburgh loses to the Buffalo Bills last night. If Cleveland wins versus Baltimore tonight, you have a 12 – or is it 12 or 11-2? Uh, 11-2. 11-2 Steelers against the 10-3 and Cleveland Browns. Cleveland should beat the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Pittsburgh should beat the Bengals, but I, I brought this up last week. If they lose that final game to the Colts, we have a tie going into the final week of the season. Do the Browns legitimately, in your guys' opinion? Yeah. 
Well, we'll go to me first because we lost Butch momentarily. He'll join us again in a moment. Uh, I think they do. I have certainly been made a believer of the Cleveland Browns, especially the way they knocked off Tennessee. And this Baltimore team, I'm just not, I'm not feeling. What's up? They're sliding. It feels like they're just, they're not doing what they should be doing. I think sliding is a good word. Yeah, I think that's a real good word. And and I think it's the fact that obviously they've had, you know, COVID-19 has not been friendly to the Ravens, but I think defenses has, have figured out, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, they figured out, you know, how to beat him. And, you know, you say it all the time, EJ, if, if Mayfield cannot make that big mistake, especially on the first drive, I, th- I think of any team in the NFL, that first drive for Cleveland is so important, but you got that rushing attack that, you know, Nick Chubb having him back in the lineup is huge. And you have Kareem Hunt there as well, but you know, it's the defense that has, you know, been making plays and, and you look at that Tennessee game. Yes, they did give up some, some late points against Tennessee, but I think the defense has been the one thing that, really throughout the season has not been uh, bad. Now you may find a situation if the teams do end up tied and uh, they would head to head would be one and one. I believe the next uh, tiebreaker, is it division or is it conference? We, we, we would be in the last week of the season. Both teams would be 12 and three winner of that game wins the AFC North crown. That's the a, final week of the season is Pittsburgh at Cleveland. And that's if Indianapolis beats Pittsburgh, which right now Pittsburgh is, only has to lose one more game, right? right? It doesn't look like they're going to lose to the Bengals. However, possible. Um, but it looks like Pittsburgh, of course, they just, they did business this week uh, against the bills lost. If they lose to the Bengals, then, then we're talking the same argument, but doesn't look like that's going to happen. So the Colts are probably the next most likely team to defeat them going into the final week of the season. And and you look at these teams in the AFC. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how, you know, I mean, you look at Buffalo, I feel like still nobody's still talking about the Buffalo bills and what, what Josh Allen is doing has been incredible. So I like Cleveland in this game tonight. I think uh, they're playing very good football. We got Butch Davis back. So uh, Butch, uh, the topic is the Cleveland Browns and uh, the Monday night game against Baltimore and potentially uh, even playing for a division title. What are your thoughts? I'm going to give me a good laugh through the whole thing because there's a whole lot of clowning going to go on in this particular game. You got a running quarterback and you got a quarterback that got to keep everything together in order for this particular team win. You kind of side right now, not so much with uh, the offense, though. I kind of side with the defense. And I think right now Cleveland's defense has a huge edge over the Ravens' uh, defense. But years past, I would say the opposite. But this year, Cleveland has the defense that's going to make it very difficult for the Ravens to kind of navigate the way they have been navigating in the past there. I think it's going to be some rough stuff in the game. I think it's going to be some animosity being kicked around there. But in, uh, in the, this is at Cleveland, right? Correct. Uh, yes. The game is at Cleveland? Yes. Well, Cleveland will yes, win. First Energy Stadium. Well, they're going to have to run out of town by sundown, <laughs> find an underground tunnel or something to get the heck out of the universe. And you look at where these teams were at in week one, EJ, uh, Baltimore, I mean, destroyed Cleveland in week one, and, and it's been a, a tale of two teams since then. And all I'm going to say before I give you the floor, EJ, is they need to shut down tight end Mark Andrews because I have a fantasy football playoff game that is depending on us. So just shut down Andrews. That's my biggest request. Your thoughts? I, I, Butch, I think, and, and Scott, you as well, you guys make great points that the Browns defense has really done a great job of standing up. I mean, Miles Garrett, who's 
Uh, and I'm happy to say this because last year his um, transgression was very out of character. Uh, Miles Garrett, who is the Cleveland Browns, uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, uh, which is very fitting. He does a lot of work in the community. Uh, he's got ten and a half sacks, and, and the reason I'm going to pull that stat up is not because Miles Garrett's getting sacks. Okay, we know he's going to get sacks. Those sacks have contributed to a total of negative eighty-five yards for the opposing offense. Wow. Okay, the next this guy, Olivier Vernon, five sacks has contributed to seventeen yards. Okay, when Miles Garrett gets in the backfield. He is causing havoc. He also has 12, he's got 12 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. And still, as a defensive lineman, he has 25 tackles, which still puts him uh, near the top. I think he just finishes outside of the top 10 um, on the team in tackles as a defensive lineman. That's incredible. Uh, but yes, Scott, like you said, Baker Mayfield avoiding those early turnovers um, is what's going to make him dangerous. I think the thing for me in tonight's game that is most shocking is that Baltimore's defense is not as good as we're used to seeing Ravens defenses being, you know, it's been 25 years since Art Modell took my Browns, ripped our heart out uh, and, and stole the team from us. Okay. Today is the day for revenge. Today is the day that my Cleveland Browns finally put together uh, a super meaningful win in December as we work towards an AFC crown. Uh, but I just, I honestly don't see a way to go back to the beginning of this. I don't see Pittsburgh losing to the Colts. I think after losing to the Bills, if they can put together a decent running game against um, the Cincinnati Bengals, which they haven't been doing well in the last couple of weeks, which I think has been contributing to their losses, if, if they can put together a solid running game against the Bengals and carry that over to the Colts, who have a good defense, you know, DeForest Buckner is an absolute stud in the middle there. Um, you know, they're going to have a tough game, but if they can get some confidence going against Cincinnati, I think that they find a way to sweep past the Colts because I think that. The Steeler defense, although kind of uh, mix and match right now with J.J. Watt being, the, or excuse me, T.J. Watt being the only super consistent piece uh, there at the linebacker position, um, if they can find a way to to be what they were earlier in the year, have success, find a way to make up for the loss of Bud Dupree, um, I think Pittsburgh does find a way to beat the Colts, and I think that they do end up winning the division. But super proud of the of the year that the Cleveland Browns will put together. I'll be a hopeful fan. I'm still rooting for that AFC North crown because it would probably be the most 2020 thing to happen for the Browns to find a way to win a division title. Uh, uh, super Bowl, Super Browns. Let's go Browns. Uh, hopefully they can find a way to, to get this win and put it together the rest of the year. Gentlemen, let's take a break. We come back. Butch Davis is going to throw in a topic all coming up on the roundtable on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, ESPN 1400. Everybody knows that H&R Block is the premier tax preparation group in the nation. But did you know that H&R Block offers year-round bookkeeping and business services that will help your small business cut costs, make profits, and streamline the business end of operations? From payroll and bookkeeping to expert tax prep and advice, see the friendly folks at H&R Block on I-75 Business Spur in the Michigan Sioux. Call 635-5970. Put H&R Block to work on your small business. You'll be glad you did. H&R Block, which is the Hockey Lakers success.
Is it time to install new windows, doors, or paneling? Perhaps you're finally going to build that new deck or addition you've been talking about or repair the roof. Stop at Sue Builder Supply. You'll find helpful advice and quality materials that will make every job easier. Whether you're ready to paint, insulate, install new windows, or kitchen cabinets, the team at Sue Builder Supply will make the task less daunting by coaching you with great how-to tips. When there's a building or remodeling project in store, make your first stop Sue Builder Supply. You'll receive the best building materials and hardware and great project advice every time. Sue Builder Supply, helping you make your building and remodeling projects a reality. On Johnston by the Bridge in Sioux, Michigan. the stress out of your gift list with a stop to Leaf Sports Center. You'll find something for just about everyone. Shop the lineup of tub snowshoes, boots, base layers, outerwear, and so much more at 20% savings. Socks make the perfect stocking stuffer, and they're 20% off too. Remaining ladies' clearance clothing is an amazing 75% off. Santa's helpers are on hand, ready to help you with gifts for your favorite hunters. Shh, don't tell Rudolph. Leeds is open Tuesday through Friday from 10 to 6, and Saturday from 10 to 4 on the I-75 Business Spur in Sioux, Michigan. Close Sunday and Monday. Happy holidays from everyone at Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on ESPN 1400. 723 on the game, ESPN 1400. Scott Nason with you. We continue to be joined by co-hosts Butch Davis and EJ Russell for the round table. And Butch, it's your turn to bring out a topic. I will get first crack and then EJ. So Butch Davis, what's on your mind tonight in the world of sports that you want to talk about? Well, let's calm down the situation a little bit here. And, you know, the question here. What do you think of the referee in the National Football League so far there? I'm going to use the example of the Marvin Jones catch, which I looked at it on several occasions, and it was a catch. I'm sorry to say that here, but the referees were wrong. And then after the game, some of the referees thought that it was a catch and was completed. I mean, have you seen some games? And I've seen a lot of games right now that's, this officiating kind of looks belligerent here, so I want to get you guys' take on that. Yeah, this is this is something, Bush, that we've talked about over the years on this show, and you would think with with instant replay and the chance to view more calls that a lot of these things would start going uh, in the right direction. But I, a couple games that I watch and this one still is just, uh, you know, trying to protect the quarterback. And, you know, I saw a couple occasions where I don't know what you expect these defensive linemen, linebackers, cornerbacks to do when they're within, you know, a couple feet of the quarterback and hit him and not below the knee, not on the head, but in the chest or in the stomach and they're getting flagged. I I would not want to play defense right now in the NFL or really in a lot of levels of college football because, you know, the, the hits that used to be legal. And, and I understand that, yes, take away the 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 helpless defender, if you will, or, or the headshots or, or anything or, you know, the clipping and below the knees. But when these guys are there and I don't know if you expect them to stop in midair or not, I just I just don't get it. And and replay certainly maybe isn't 
isn't the the best way is just these officials need to be held accountable. And, and that's the one thing that I know, Butch, you and I and EJ, we've talked about it before along with Dave, but the accountability in officials, I've, I've yet to know of a case and maybe I'm wrong here where maybe a referee, you know, are they rated? You know, I know umpiring uh, high school baseball and softball coaches rate us and, and we get those ratings on things that maybe we don't do right or maybe Maybe Can we need ask to, you what your rating is? Uh, it, it's 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 adequate. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I I I feel like I'm pretty good with the coaches. I've never gotten a one. Uh, it's a scale of one to five. So I think early on, early on, I might have gotten a couple of twos. Maybe the strike zone might have been uh, wavering a bit uh, from inning to inning. But but again, it, I've used that to try to fine tune my craft and learn from it. I don't know if the NFL does it, Butch and and EJ will go to you next. But uh, I think the NFL certainly should do that. And you know, if these referees are out there making big calls. Like Butch said with the Marvin Jones catch, I think anybody that saw that would call that a catch. And again, there's replay, there's visual evidence. If the referee gets it wrong, then they need to be held accountable. EJ, your thoughts. Great topic. Well, I'll say this. Um, and I'm going to give a shout out to one of our listeners. I won't call him by his name, but Sluggo. Uh, a guy Sluggo. With. That's what we call him, it's Sluggo. A great name. Uh, it is a great nickname. But Sluggo knows very well. Shout out, Sluggo. Uh, I'm probably the last person to ask about officiating. Okay. You can ask my mother, father, sister, brother, whoever. Uh, I wasn't known for having the best relationships when it comes to officials. However, I will say, I actually think the NFL is doing a great job this year. Uh, Butch, that Marvin Jones play, I thought that was a catch as well. I, I, I think that they're using the tools. I think that the on field officials have done a great job of getting most of the plays right. And I think a lot of times, that these replays do show us, like, and, and I'll give this as an example, but the replays are showing us these referees don't get enough credit for the calls they get right. One of the things that I love about Major League Baseball, outside of any time Angel Hernandez is umpiring, <laughs> uh, well, he's terrible. <laughs> but they, they put ESPN puts up that box for the strike zone. And Scott, you're laughing because you know Angel Hernandez. <laughs> I do. <is> terrible. <laughs> uh, but they put that box up, and I'm always amazed at, like, when I watch in a game, okay, that guy called that one that's just outside low into the left of strike. Does he call it a strike again? Calls it a strike again. It's like, okay, like at least that's his zone. Like at least he's owning his call. And, and I get that, there, and it shouldn't be. I wish it was more consistent in baseball, but players are different sizes, so the strike zones change a little bit, I think. Um, but the one thing that that box showed me was how accurate Major League Baseball officials typically are when it comes to balls and strikes. I think that this year the NFL and replays, which they've done much faster, and I very much appreciate that, uh, have shown us that these officials are not getting enough credit for the calls that they are getting right. Yes, there are difficult calls, such as the Marvin Jones play over the weekend. Difficult calls when it comes to, you know, pass interference. It is tough, Scott, to be a defender in this league right now. You know, being a defensive player is hard enough. You know, a quarterback throws the ball 60 yards down the field, uh, he stops running. All the defenders are still chasing that guy. So the job's hard enough being on defense, let alone having to worry about having to, like Scott said, sock yourself in midair to hit the quarterback. Um, I think that they've let a little bit more contact go this year than they did last year in regards to touching the quarterback after plays. I think there were a couple times uh, when Matthew Stafford, the one that bothered me the most, Matthew Stafford was going down the slide, got hit, and that's where he kind of hurt his ribs there. I didn't like – I thought that was – 
um, a bit unnecessary. Uh, I thought that should have been a flag, in my opinion. But uh, I think that the NFL officials really have done a good job this year. Yes, they're going to miss calls. Okay, they're officials. Scott, he ever missed a call? Of course you have. Yep. I've, if, if you called one of my games, I'd probably be screaming at you about missing a call. You're one of my good buddies. Thank goodness I, I never have... officiated one of your games, AJ. That's all I got to say. You probably throw me out, though, because I, I am a guy that talks a lot. I run my mouth a little bit, but I usually know what I'm talking about. However, uh, and uh, the NFL officials, I believe, have done a good job this year. I really appreciate the, the expeditious uh, use of video replay this year as well. An impressive use of expeditious, EJ. I'm impressed. I uh, a big word. Let people know I've been educated. Two different answers, Butch. Uh, your thoughts. <laughs> Well, hold on. Butch never agreed oh, with me, so I already know how this is going to go. <laughs> the Marlon Jones Jr. catch, that was a catch. I'm watching a still photo of the staff boy, and I'm seeing two feet on inbounds on the one-yard line. I'm seeing him cradle the ball. You can't prove and it. And I don't know what you got to do. You got to scratch under your arms or dig in your butt or whatever it may be made, but the referee's got it absolutely wrong. So we take it to the, the red flag and going to New York or wherever the heck they're doing these filmings and uh, checking these dogs on films at Secaucus, New York or Secaucus, New Jersey or uh, wherever. Somebody's on the take here. I, I'm sorry. You know, this is just plain wrong. And I've seen more than not. And it's normally Normally these bad calls, and I've seen several of them yesterday, you know, from home and watching the game to going down to Fort Field watching this, this game in person. And it just seemed to be consistent. When they get them wrong, they get them wrong completely. I mean, all through the, through the bend here. Now, maybe next week it might be a different situation where all this thing is called on off there. You can't recall the game. This was an important part of the Lions game, per se, there, although they didn't deserve to win because they did play poorly versus uh, Green Bay Packers had them on their edge of their toes the whole doggone game. This, I mean, this is just it's sad, okay? But there has to be something done about it there. It's, I, I do believe that you know, with the help of the National Football League stations who are catching, we're talking about Fox, we're talking about ESPN, ABC, we're talking about CBS, we're talking about the NFL Network. Uh, you know what? It shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't be this way a whole heck of a lot of times. Or in NBC, well, let's add them in there too. And they show some very good definitive uh uh, camera shots during the time we got to wait for an official to give an absolutely notice there. And I'm sorry to say, but, you know, some of these, uh, what we're seeing in, with our naked eye is not matching up with those guys in the box there. And either their tools are fuzzy or maybe they're fuzzy. I don't know, but it, it's got to improve. Gentlemen, let's move on to the Big Ten Football Champions Week. Now, the Big Ten has had to um, reevaluate uh, many things as they first did, yeah, the first did not want to play right away, and then they decided to play, and they put in some rules as far as how many games it would take uh, for a team to uh, qualify for the championship game. And then last week uh, they met and unanimously said that Ohio State, uh, despite not playing the uh, first amount of uh, official games, uh, will play in the title game and face Northwestern. They also uh, 
uh, at the initial plan were to have crossover games this week where two would play two in the East and West, three would play three. That's not going to happen. Michigan, who's at the bottom of the Big Ten East, I repeat, Michigan, who's at the bottom of the Big Ten East, they're going to play number 18, Iowa, the second best team in the West. Michigan State's going to take on Maryland this week. Uh, This happened because you had a couple uh, West Division schools, Wisconsin and Minnesota, who had their game uh, postponed due to COVID. Uh, you know, that now they're going to play that game. So it uh, kind of ended up into a big ball of mush there as far as the original plan. But do you think that the Big Ten, uh, despite all the twists and turns and plans, got things right and having Ohio State in the championship game? EJ, I know, uh, I think I know where your loyalties lie, but I'll throw the floor to you first. I will wholeheartedly take my bias out of my opinion here. And the main reason that the Big Ten stated that they decided to reverse the six-game rule was because even if Michigan had beaten Ohio State, (laughs) Ohio State would still be the Big Ten East representative. So um, even even with a 5-1 record, um, yes, they would still be in the championship game. So I do give them credit for allowing that to happen. I do also agree that... um, the big that Ohio State deserves to play in that game because they're one of the best teams in the country, and the Big Ten needs Ohio State to get into the playoff uh, strictly for financial purposes. Right? You'd be crazy if you're a Big Ten not to let Ohio State get an opportunity to play in the playoff. That would just be absolutely ridiculous and financially irresponsible to do in a year where financial responsibility has become probably more important than ever. Yeah. The big 10 that has lost quite some dollars this year needs to have Ohio state go. Um, and, and as a fan, I think that they are, uh, the third or fourth best team in the country, uh, if appropriately ranked, I think Notre Dame deserves the two Alabama's the number one, but I think you can flip flop Boston Clemson this year. I just don't think Clemson's as good as they've been. Um, but, I agree with the decision for the Big Ten to reverse the, the six-game minimum and allow Ohio State to get in with five based purely off the fact of if Michigan had beat them, um, they'd still be in. Butch, we talked about this last week. We thought it would happen. It did. Your thoughts? <laughs> this is about money. Yep. And that's, the only, that's the only thing. To I'm not saying it's not. There. Yeah, it's about money. I'm sorry, okay? You know, it's reality in this, and it's false, and it's his spoon, rah, rah, rah. This is not about his spoon, rah, rah, rah. It's about money, okay? It's nothing about deserving there, okay? Deserving is an overblown word. The bottom line is Ohio State. All of that's true, EJ. Just hold, hold your thought. You know, Ohio State would have is one of the best in the in the Big Ten. That's no doubt on no that. No question. Okay? And this is not about Ohio State. This is about the Big Ten and the decisions they made from the beginning of the bunk when they decided not to play football indignant in the first place. Okay. Then before pressure came from the general public. This is why the Big Ten got back in the game, and they saw other leagues doing it and getting away with this and that and whatever it may be. And at the time, everything wasn't like it is right now, where it's caustic people getting COVID-19 and then some. It's not about that. Now the Big Ten says, hey, look, we made all these little rules of six games, okay, in which they had no right to do, okay? 
any games that were played, that was a victory for any team that participated in it. So that got that wrong as well. So it's not about really me saying Ohio State deserved to be in there. They're going to be there anyway. You know, that's the, his theme alone. But just right now, when it breaks it all down, it breaks it on down to money. Money in the Big Ten Championship. Money in going to the semifinals and whatnot. Money in going to the finals of the NCAA there. Money. And you, Big Ten came to bat for Ohio State because right now, that's their only hope in getting the money. Yeah, you guys both. I, hold on a second. I never said that it had nothing to do with money, but you can't. That, that's all this is all about, about right now. It's money. But you still can't ignore the. But you can't still can't ignore the fact that even if they lost to Michigan, they they still be there. That like that's a fact. I'm not saying yeah, that. Lost, I don't agree with well, that. That's not, that's not that's not an argument to talk on the ten. If you don't agree with that, then we don't have a good conversation here. Every this rule is about the big men wanting to make money. Every decision in football is not made because of money, right? Holdings not just one word. Yeah, but hold on, but I, no, but listen, I get that money does have a big factor to do with that, but it's still doing the right thing because Ohio State should be there anyway. It's not about the right thing. It's about somebody's greedy pockets when they make some money, and they're going to miss out on it if they sit up there and sat on a doggone ruling that said they must play six games when they shouldn't never made the ruling at all. Period. I'll clarify. I'll clarify a couple things. Uh, one, Michigan, there is no way that they were going to beat Ohio State. Not under Jim Harbaugh. No I way. Disagree. Never. That, not a chance. Game is played, the rankings, the not a chance. I think so. I think it worked out well for Michigan. Show. I do too. And, and uh, I, I will clarify that Michigan and Michigan State are the last place teams in the Big Ten? Uh, Michigan State two and five, Michigan two and four. But because Michigan State beat Michigan, I'm putting Michigan on the bottom because they weren't able to play a couple games. But 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 uh, but I agree with both of you. Uh, obviously, it, it's number one. It's all about the money. And yes, Ohio State should be there. And we'll see. You know, likely they're going to beat Northwestern. Almost certainly they're going to make the playoff. Obviously they will if they win that game. But but then we'll we'll see how they do. We'll see how they match up against the big boys from Tuscaloosa and uh, Clemson. Last, and- time, last time Alabama played Ohio State in a college football playoff semifinal, Ohio State won. There you go. We'll have to wait and see. We're going to take a break here on the game. We come back. We'll have time for at least one more topic, maybe two, all coming up next on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. A feisty one tonight. The game, ESPN 1400. For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our central savings bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. Ask what we can do for you. 
For the safety and health of the communities we serve and our employees, our Central Savings Bank lobbies are now open by appointment only. CSP's drive-ups are open to serve all of your banking needs. Remember, you can always use mobile banking, internet banking, our 24-7 access line, and ATMs. You can also give us a call at 906-635-6250 to transfer funds. Ask what the CSP family can do for you. That's what we can do for you. MNC Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. O'Connor's Chrysler Dodge, Dodge Truck and Jeep in Pickford is your full-service dealership. Servicing Pickford and the surrounding areas with pride for more than 50 years. O'Connor's top-notch body shop includes a state-of-the-art frame straightener. O'Connor's is also a proud supporter of community events. Its sales team has the experience to know which model is right for each customer. And with financing available to back your purchase, you can drive away today in your dream vehicle. Local people, local pride. Stop in today on M129 at O'Connor's. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason here on ESPN 1400. Welcome back to the game on ESPN 1400. You can also hear our show online at thegamesportshow.com. And if you missed tonight's edition, you can find it around 8.30 on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. You can find all our shows on both those sites, including Butch's, Butch Davis's show, Butch on Sports, EJ Russell's show, yep. The Hot Seat, and David McKegg Jr.'s show, The Game Sports Show in Sioux, Ontario. As we continue our roundtable, we got time for at least one more topic, gentlemen, possibly two. So, EJ, it is your turn to throw out a topic to the roundtable. Butch, you'll get first crack. So, EJ, the floor is yours. What is it? The EJ Russell show tonight? I got to pick every dang topic. It God, seems no, like it. Pick. I'm, def- I'm, I'm, uh, I won the coin toss. I'm deferring. I, I picked the Browns. We got into the Indians. So Scott, I'll defer to you. What do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk more about the NFL. We covered the Lions and Packers with Butch earlier. We talked about the Browns and Ravens, but there were certainly a lot of games yesterday uh, of note. I talked a little bit about the Buffalo Pittsburgh game and, and how just teams aren't, it doesn't seem like the media is talking much about Buffalo. That was a big signature win for them on national TV. First time they were on Sunday night football, I think in about 13 years. So just kind of an open ended topic. Butch, we'll start with you uh, as far as the NFL outside of what we've talked about? What were some of the other things that you saw yesterday or just in general that have your interest? Well, all the stuff hit the fan when I saw Chicago beat up on Houston. Wow. I had no hope at all. I went down to the stadium and saw at least the first half of the game Mm. here. (laughs) But that was a pretty uh, convincing game. They talk about Miss uh, Jubinski like a dog here, but yet still, this guy has come through for two straight games there. Uh, the Los Angeles Mitchell Rams. Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, who has passed on, or are they passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? And, and, and Mitchell Trubisky put that up on Deshaun. That's important enough. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, 
He took care of business, I'll tell you that much there. The Rams look pretty doggone good. Golf looked pretty good. And the defense that Los Angeles got there, they're showing up big time at a, at a proper time there. Kansas City and Miami was a back-and-forth game, and that was pretty doggone cool. And Arizona, they showed the Giants that they're not invincible there. They whooped on them 26-7. So with those particular games that I, I did take uh, – Notice to there those particular ones there. Uh, this thing ain't over in the, in the NFC East there. That's going to be something that uh, with the Dallas Cowboys winning and uh, some things going to get tightened up. Washington showed up though. I tell you that much there. So wouldn't it be nice their first year changing their name? They go to the playoffs. Yeah, they're certainly in line to do that right now. Uh, I'll go next here. You know, talk about that Buffalo-Pittsburgh game. Watching that game, obviously Josh Allen is the one a lot of people are talking about, but the addition of Stephon Diggs to that offense is huge right now for that team. 100 catches leading the NFL. He had 130 yards and a touchdown last night against a pretty good defense. Yeah, so so Buffalo's certainly a team. I mean, yeah, they're they're one to watch. And, And that AFC, you know, with Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee, uh, Buffalo, Cleveland, you got to put in there. You can't sleep on Miami. It's going to be certainly a very interesting playoff. I was very impressed with Jalen Hurts yesterday for the Philadelphia Eagles taking over for Carson Wentz. He didn't have any sacks and he didn't have any interceptions. And he opened up the running game. Uh, Miles Sanders had a big game. I don't think many people had Philadelphia knocking off New Orleans. So like Butch said, it, it's they're in the hunt as well. Dallas with the win, they are certainly in the hunt. And uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting way uh, to see how that NFC East shakes out. Washington seems like the team right now that maybe has the inside track. But, you know, with that division, who knows? Uh, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, you know, big win for the Buccaneers. Uh, certainly uh, didn't look great. Uh, I feel bad for the kicker for Minnesota. Dan Bailey must missed three field goals and a point after touchdown or extra point, if you will. Indianapolis, that's a team. This this team just, I scratched my head trying to figure out this team that, you know, weeks like, you know, yesterday they looked good. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, 150 yards on the ground. Uh, Raiders, yeah, Raiders are certainly going in the wrong direction. Uh, you, Butch mentioned a couple of the other games that I wanted to talk about um, the poor New York Jets 0-13. I, I don't see how they are going to be able to pull off a win. I mean, they were just, I mean, ran out of the building in Seattle by the Seahawks and, uh, and then Tennessee, you know, back on track. They play the Lions next week. Um, I mean, you look at what Derrick Henry's doing. Obviously, Jacksonville's rushing defense is not the best, but I mean, he's just a beast out there. And he, he could have a 300-yard game against Detroit on Sunday. And then how about the Chargers finally getting a victory over the Atlanta Falcons? It didn't make much many headlines, but the Chargers have just had uh, bad uh, results as of late, and they get a victory over Atlanta, who's had bad results all season long. EJ, uh, other thoughts on the NFL? I'd really like to highlight two games, and the first one I'll do for obvious reasons. Um, The Washington football team against the 49ers. Chase Young, Ohio State Buckeyes. Stud. uh, Played absolutely phenomenal. Had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, just disrupted all day long. And I think almost single-handedly was the reason that Washington ended up winning that game. 23-16, 23 to 16, but the other team that I, besides Chicago, Butch, you hit that right on the head. Um, they deserve a ton of credit. They played fantastic this week. Uh, the other team that I want to give some credit to, though, has to be the LA Chargers. And you found a way to win a football game 
Anthony Lynn, a coach that I really do like and I think deserves to stay there as the Chargers coach, finds a way to beat the 4-9 Falcons, and now you're tied for record. Good job. Win the rest of your games. Keep your job. I, I think that Anthony Lynn is the right person there. I think that they just need a year where everyone's healthy uh, to find a way to make this come together because the Chargers are darn close to being one of the best teams in the NFL. Their defense has a lot of young pieces uh, that are going to disrupt in this league for a long time. Justin Herbert looks like he's a real deal. I think if they – and they got um, – who do they have on the outside? God bless America. I can't remember the name. Who, Very who's patriotic. The wide who's the stud wide receiver? Allen? 13. Uh, Allen, Keenan Allen, and who's the, and they got one, uh, William. They're both awesome. If they can add the running game there and, and really find a piece better than, uh, what they thought they had in Melvin Gordon, get like, um, whoever Alabama's running back is. It feels like every other year they're good. <laughs> uh, bring, bring whoever that guy is in and add a little bit of running. And I think that the San, or excuse me. The Los Angeles Chargers uh, we are very, very close to being a good football team. So I'm glad to see them get a win. I like Justin Herbert a lot. I like Bosa. Uh, I like uh, all their pieces on defense. They're, they're very close to being a very good team. Butch, we got time for one more topic. I'll throw it to you. Uh, what would you like to talk about tonight? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Wrong answer. Uh, we've been talking a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> tonight, uh, maybe let's uh, kind of ponder on something that uh, that might get some interest there, and maybe football. Uh, <clears throat> we haven't talked about hockey, so let's get you guys' uh, take on. Uh, will they start in uh, on January the thirteenth? Everything has been settled as far as uh, the negotiations go. But again, uh seems like uh, people like yourself, Scott, it has some uncertainty there. So let's get that on out in the open. Yeah, I think, Butch, it's because we haven't seen anything official from the NHL as far as, you know, here's our plan, here's our dates. It's been a lot of uh, speculation. Uh, according to uh, one of ESPN's uh, hockey analysts, uh, team executive told him that the season is expected to begin, as you mentioned, Butch, on January 13. Uh, this was uh, confirmed also by Sportsnet and in Canada that uh, non-bubble partakers would open up camp and on December 28th and the remaining 24 teams would hit the ice on January 1st. And of course this year is going to look a, a lot different than, you know, when they resumed and, and got the playoffs and the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. And we saw that this weekend with the NBA, uh, you know, when the, the NBA resumed, of course they were at Walt Disney world in that very small uh, facility. And now you're seeing these open caverns with no fans. Now we've seen it already in the NFL and major league baseball. And, and it's certainly something that looks different. It feels different. Uh, but you know, the NHL has got to, they got to get, 
kind of moving a little bit here. They, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty. The World Junior Championships, um, which that'll start here in a couple weeks in Red Deer, Alberta. We talked about that earlier as far as some of the players on that team. So I'm certainly looking forward to hockey. I, you know, we all follow hockey and like hockey on on this show, and many of our listeners do. So I'm I'm just kind of waiting and seeing. Hopefully next week uh, when we resume, we'll have a lot more concrete information. But the NHL, they've been uh, a little late to the party, at least in my opinion, EJ. I just don't think that they make a lot of noise. Uh, who did the Rangers draft? Number one overall, Patrick Lafreniere. Am I saying that right? Very good. Um, I think he, to me, is the main reason why I'm going to pay more attention to the NHL this year. I think he's a very, very talented guy. And if he can bring the New York Rangers franchise back to glory from the Messier-Gretzky days, uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist was, in my opinion, the best piece that the Rangers have had since Messier uh, and Gretzky. Uh, King Henry's just been phenomenal between the pipes. Uh, but Patrick Lafreniere is a guy that I think really can change the way that the New York Rangers play hockey, very similarly to a way that a Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, um, those kind of guys can affect your team. I think he can be a good young presence. I think he can make a lot of players better around him just by practicing the way that he does. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and I'm going to be honest. I'll be, I'll be very closely, and this is from a guy that, yes, I played hockey. I love hockey. Um, it was my most athletic sport. I, I, I performed far better in hockey than anything else, but it's probably out of the major sports in the United States and what we cover here. Um, it's probably my worst well-known. But I'm going to be watching the Rangers this year, and I think that this kid's a stud. I think that he's done all the right things. I, I love the organization that he's coming into. Hopefully he's mature enough to handle the city. But if he can handle the city and he plays the way that he's supposed to, uh, Patrick Lafreniere is going to be a guy that we're talking about for the next 20 years. So I- I'm watching the Rangers. This year. Butch, uh, your thoughts before we get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week? <clears throat> well, you know, all the information I got, it was, you know, I did some pretty good dog on digging. So basically, and then you made a very valid point, Scott, about the juniors are uh, – upcoming uh, started up there. But again, I think the big portion with the uh, NHL is is that many of the teams have to share arenas there. And you have to find safety maintenance with those particulars, especially with basketball and hockey or maybe lacrosse, indoor lacrosse or some other sports that are done indoors in Canada as well. Uh, those shared facilities and making sure that things are done uh, properly as according to those particular leagues and with safety uh, values in mind toward the health departments and all that, I think that is not locked up as of yet there. Uh, the Red Wings, again, their facilities is in the basement of uh, the, their new arena. So they can play ice hockey down there, practice, do everything they need to do without even leaving the joint. But again, you got the Detroit Pistons making their uh, momentary visit. So then you got people coming in, redoing the floors, or 
raising up the, the, the ranks for hockey and whatnot, I think that is a huge challenge right now there. So those particular people who are dealing with that, okay, which is a, the extras, as I say, uh, those have to be counted, too, when it comes down to testing, making sure that they're doing the propers, they're not going in places where basically they can bring the disease into the building and cause havoc there. So right now I think that has to be dealt with in order for the National Hockey League to get on a, a dressing uh, core. And that means, you know, do an actual press conference and say, yes, we're ready to do this. Gentlemen, let's get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. I will start. No thumbs down, keeping with the holiday spirit. Two thumbs up. Thumbs up to the Premier League over in England and having fans back. Now, they don't have a lot of fans in the stands, but it was certainly nice to watch a few matches this weekend and hear the chants and see the fans uh, spaced out, wearing masks. They're doing the right thing, but it was nice to just hear an actual atmosphere of fans, unlike the canned uh, atmosphere that we've uh, come to know and not especially like, in my opinion. And thumbs up to the vaccine for COVID-19 being rolled out. Uh, Pfizer company in Michigan getting the first batches out today. Not many people thought we'd even be to this point by now. Let's hope that everything works out with the vaccine so we can get back to somewhat normal and resume everyday life activities. EJ Russell, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. I think we lost EJ. Butch, we'll go to your thumbs up and thumbs down next. Thumbs up is basically uh, very simple here. Um, Thumbs up, I guess, basketball right now and having the guts to start this season and getting it on the ready. Uh, Again, I can't wait for the actual rosters to come on out and see what we're going against for the season at large there. A lot of people got a lot of anticipation because of the holiday season. Of course, those games and whatnot being played during Christmas and New Year's is very special in many homes. uh, That basically right now may not have that particular amount of traffic because of it there. But again, the anticipation for that is is getting getting very good. Uh, Thumbs up for Kyrie Irving. Yes. You know, he has had a big mouth for quite some time. He has shown me that he is not a gracious human being in the accomplishments that he has had so far. If you don't want to play basketball, please retire. Go about your business, but don't make it bad for everybody concerned who care about the game or basically the integrity of the game because he wants to trash it down there. I love his causes there. If he's going to go and do these causes and whatnot, be respectable about it there. You know, respect the, the rights of others, okay? But don't get up there and start to crap every five minutes and then you don't show up at the game. EJ, we got a minute left. Your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. 30 seconds, no thumbs down for the week, double thumbs up. I want to give to Vanderbilt kicker Sarah Fuller became yes. the first woman in a Power 5 football conference to score points in a game. Absolutely thumbs up to her. So that's my thumbs up for the week. I posted that at thegamesportshow.com at Facebook. Very good. Now. Gentlemen, we got to go. want to thank Butch Davis, E.J. Russell, David Yo. McKeg Jr., Steve Henninga, and Mark Ewell for joining us on the game. Again, if you want to hear the show, You can find it in about a half hour on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. That's going to do it for this Monday night edition. We'll be back with you next Monday night for our next edition of the game here on ESPN 1400.
Thanks for listening to the game here on ESPN 1400, WKNW, Sioux St. Marie's Sports Leader. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.